on one. Bautista drives it deep left field. Gone! The Blue Jays' dugout has erupted as they greet Bautista. And the throw is wide down the line. And there we got a final shot. Bautista picked on the wrong guy as Odor came right at him. And we got the benches. The benches empty in that. Ground ball hitting the hole at short, backhanded by Elvis, go to second one, back to first, low throw, knocked down by Moreland, here comes Donaldson, throw to the plate, head first slide, he scores! Ball game, Blue Jays! Well, you know what it means when the Texas Rangers come into town. Um, that was some of the greatest hits, in a manner of speaking. From 2015, 2016, when the Texas Rangers and Blue Jays, I mean, really, uh, that's what it was all about, uh, those two teams. I mean, there have been, you know, subsequent years. I mean, the Baltimore Orioles have always been kind of a rival of the Blue Jays, obviously. And, and you know, Tampa Bay has been the kind of the immovable object. And, you know, last year, the Seattle Mariners really, uh, I mean, really sent the Blue Jays into a tailspin. But Kevin Barker, here we are. Uh, meaningful September baseball on 9-11. The Jays have the second AL wild card spot. They're a game up in Seattle, a game and a half up in Texas. And here come the Texas Rangers for four games. And it's not just a matter of maintaining your edge in the standings. Also, also at stake is the season series between the teams, which could become a factor if there's a tie. So biggest series of the year. Yeah. yeah. Until the next big series. Oh, there you go. I, look, I, I think with the way their offenses look basically most of the year, if I would have told you this a couple of months ago, this is where the Blue Jays would be, you'd take it. Like this is, you know, they, they've sort of turned the corner with, it looks like optics when you watch games now, it's whatever you, whatever it takes, right? It's, yep. you know, if, if, if we got to put a hit and run on, if you got to put a, uh, you know, a safety squeeze first and third with the bottom of the order of like you do whatever it takes against whichever team is in front of you to win the game that night. And look, this is this is why I think if you're a baseball fan, forget about being a Blue Jays fan or a Texas Rangers fan. If you, they're talking about this everywhere, like this is if you're a baseball fan, this is exactly what you wanted. And you know, this we'll we'll see who can not beat themselves. I think this is basically what this is going to come down to. Uh, these two teams are about right there at the same, right? One is struggling bullpen wise. The other one sometimes look like offensively, they don't have much of a plan or, you know, they're, they're, they're trying really hard to do things that maybe they're just not capable of doing. So yeah, it's intriguing to see, you know, who sort of shows up when it comes to what their weakness is to try and hide that, to try not to let them, you know, beat them that day and and just have a better clean game. Whoever does that, I think in the four games, I'm not saying he's going to win the series because I'm not sure that's what's going to happen. But it's they're going to be competitive and give themselves a chance, at least, I think. Let's reset things ahead of this first of four games between the Jays and the Rangers. 7-0-7 first pitch tonight. Chris Bassett on the mound for the Rangers. Dane Dunning. I'm sorry, Chris Bassett on the mound for the Blue Jays. Dane yeah, yeah, Dunning. Yeah. Blue Jays won him. For the Rangers. Uh, tomorrow, Hyunjin Ryu against Max Scherzer. Mm-hmm. Wednesday, Yusei Kikuchi against Jordan Montgomery. Thursday, Kevin Gossman against Nathan Uvalde. Um, the standings are as follows in the American League East. The Baltimore Orioles are 90-52. and 52. They're three up on the Tampa Bay Rays. 
Rays are seven and a half games up in the Blue Jays. They're eighty and sixty-three. The Jays are seven games up in the Boston Red Sox, and we really don't care about the New York Yankees. If you look at the wild card picture right now, three division winners or the three division leaders, I should say, are Baltimore, Houston, and Minnesota. That's I was going to say that's probably how the season will end, although Tampa Bay still has some games left against uh, against Baltimore. But for now, work with me. Those are the three division winners. The wild card is Tampa Bay. They're uh, eight and a half up. Sorry, seven and a half up on the Blue Jays. They're eighty eight and fifty six. The Jays are eighty and sixty three. Uh, they are one ahead of the Mariners in the loss. One ahead of the Mariners in the win column, which is all to the good. Their game up in the Mariners. Texas is 78 and 64. They are three and seven coming into this series. They have won two in a row. But uh Kevin, the the Toronto Blue Jays are eight and two after that sweep of the Kansas City Royals. Our friend Buck Martinez mm. a couple of weeks ago looked at a schedule that had Cleveland, Washington, Colorado, Oakland, Kansas City. And said the Jays need to go twelve and three in those games, or the season was over. They went ten and five. Um, the season is not over. I'm not second guessing what Buck said. Well, it's because the Rangers. I was going to say stunk for a long period of time. They really have. They've been atrocious. Um, what do you think after that that win over that five two win over Oakland? Let's go through sort of the three components of the Blue Jays. And we should, and there has been a player move made, by the way. Eric Swanson has been reactivated. That's Jay help. Jackson has been optioned. That will help. Yeah. Let's look at the three components, the three Jays components. Lineup, rotation, and bullpen. And I want to get a sense of where you think they are. Let's, let's start with the lineup. Bo has been back. You mentioned yesterday's game. Uh, they won on... I mean, an, almost a frightening, luck. almost a frightening almost series. Luck. It was frightening uh, watching what happened to uh, Cole Reagans, uh, the walks, the wild pitches. Um, I'd ask if you ever seen anybody fall on the mound like that, and you said yes, Ari Dickey. I, no, 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 I, not I fall on the mound. No, I've seen. I mean, Ari Dickey's. I've seen games where the ball's been uh, where he's played pepper with the backstop. You ever seen a guy slip like that that many times and just basically not don't that want to many do times? Don't and, want to do anything. Don't want to do anything. The yeah, umpire weird. came over. The third base umpire came over and said, "Hey, he, do you want us to get the grounds correct?" Yeah, so, it's a bit odd. Um, I, I was just concerned. I, I mean, I was concerned. You look at that arm and you go, "God, don't hurt yourself." Uh, but then, of course, and, and and you talked about this. The Jays a hit and run and uh, a safety squeeze. You know, to to bring in a couple of runs, and you'd like to go out and beat the stuffing out of Kansas City, but at the same time, I almost think that you know that's kind of that's kind of what the Jays are right now. And I'm going to ask you that now that Bo's back, and we don't know when Chapman's going to get back, but now that that Bo's back, what is the state of this lineup? Are you comfortable with this lineup right now? Yeah, I like Brandon Belt back in it. I, I, I obviously I'd never thought I would say that. To, you know, starting the season, not having a cleanup hitter and, you know, Brandon Belt missing him when it just comes to being a threat and having a competitive at bat when you need it the most. Like he's, I don't want to say pass the baton. I don't like that. Like I, I want the guy hitting in the middle of the order to be very aggressive. You know, I think he does think hit first and he has a pretty good eye and that's why he's walking and passing the baton that way. He will help. 
right? It eliminates people that are should not ever be hit and clean up. Like I, there, you know, Whitberry Phil, I love, love him, but he should never be hit and clean up. I, I that for me. How about I, your boy Davis Schneider? You get it. Like you get why? Just because they don't have anybody else, but man, like it. Try like you said, beat the stuffing out of people. How you can beat the stuffing out of people when people are hitting cleanup who should never be hitting cleanup? But again, this is where they're at, right? They need a quality start. They need a shutdown bullpen. They need to, the baseball IQ. Uh, they need occasionally for their manager to go. No, you're not allowed to steal third three zero count with the leadoff hitter up. Like they need sometimes just because of the moment. And I mean, it's, uh, they've told you that basically without telling you that sometimes they need the big boy in the room to give them signs and say, no, you can't do those kind of things. So, yeah, the, again, this is – they're a good team who has to have a lot of things go right to win against other good teams. And that, for me, starts with the guy standing on the mound. Uh, in terms of the lineup, Alejandro Kirk uh, started three games in a row for the first time all year uh, behind home plate, I should say. Caught. Uh, it's the first time all year he caught three days in a row. Are you seeing a little more life out of Alejandro Kirk? Not really. I mean, he's got he's got he's got a lot of lag in his swing. A lot, a lot of a lot of guys that start with opening up the front side have a lot of lag, which means they're trying to force it basically with their hands to get the lag instead of letting their shoulders and their hip rotation have the lag just follow behind those two kind of things. Whenever you step in the bucket the way he does, for whatever reason, it's very drastic this year. Like, it's obvious that he's trying to catch up to something. And I just, I don't know why that is. Like, I don't know what the answer would be to how to fix that other than why you see him basically a lot of the times only using up the middle to the pull side is because of that reason. When you lose your lower half and your shoulder direction, your hands start playing catch up, your barrels lagging. All you can do is basically in and out of the zone, right? And he hits the little ground ball to short, hits the ground ball to third. You know, if the ball's up and away, he'll hit the ground ball to second. That's, I don't think until he maybe makes a mechanical change that he can fix that this year. So, you know, I, I, I'm not sure we should be giving a guy credit for playing three days in a row. I, mm. That's me. I'm going to raise my hand and say no to that. I, we understand why he's, I guess I'm not saying not capable, but they'd rather not because, you know, the of the conditioning, the body type, you're going to get the most out of Alejandro Kirk if you don't do that to him. But I don't think we should come on this show and give him credit for it. Like, that's yeah. his job, right, is to play a lot. Well, I think at this point with Alejandro Kirk, you just give me the defense right now. I mean, that's what he's that, – uh, that's that's his strength. Give where's me he hitting today? Do you see the lineup? I'm, I'm, seen, I'm sure seen he's – I uh, also want to talk about this. Um, it, this kind of gets lost in that sixth inning yesterday. And I don't know. Maybe I was reading too much into it. But one of the things – you know, talking to a few people, one of the things they were talking about Vladdy uh, was they wanted to see a little more, I don't know if awareness is the wrong word. Um, court awareness is the wrong word. But in some ways, a little more engagement. And, you know, we talked about how a lot of his at-bats are first pitch swing and all that. I thought in the sixth inning yesterday, he calls a timeout. Mm-hmm. He's down one and two in the count. He calls a timeout, gathers himself, mm-hmm. draws a walk. And from that point, things start spiraling out of control for Reagans. Reagans hasn't, didn't have any 
I mean, he hadn't thrown a pitch with a man on base for uh, one, one, two, three, one, two, three, four, five. He hadn't he hadn't had a lot of runners in base, so now he's got a dude on base, and we saw what happened. Now, mm-hmm. I'm I'm not saying that necessarily anything to do with it, but I thought that the timeout and what kind of happened after that because I thought Vladdy did not that did not look like it was going to be a comfortable at bat. And there's already two outs. I don't know. I thought that I, I just thought that was kind of significant yeah, when you look back at things. I told you I was standing in the dug the visiting dugout and Salvador Perez walked by me and I said, Hey, what do you got on Reagans? And he said, Good luck, Blue Jays. <laughs> and he wasn't kidding. Like that dude's got nasty stuff. Like I mean, sometimes you gotta tip your hat to the dude you're facing. He's got electric stuff, right? He's got velocity. He can throw secondary pitches for strikes. He's unpredictable. He's got a veteran catcher behind the dish who can get him through some issues. Now, obviously not falling off the mound kind of issues, but yeah, I don't know. Look, I think sometimes we're, we're begging for reasons to, to applaud Vladdy, right? It's, we, we, I don't know about you, but I, I'm rooting for Vladdy. Like you, you want Vladdy to do well. The, the better he does, the better the Blue Jays are. Like it's, those are facts. Calling a timeout, yeah. Uh, look, when you're facing some elite stuff, and I think Buck Martinez said it yesterday during the telecast. This is what they're going to get in the playoffs. Like they're they're going to get gonna, du- yeah. they're going to get dudes who can add and subtract and do it with velocity and can locate it and pitch to your weakness. Which if you can totality do that, all of it and want it bad, like it's you're yeah, going to have to really have an idea. So maybe yeah, look, I, I'm you not going to make the case. I'm not going to say that didn't have anything to do with it, but. You know, it looks like to me, Vladdy's got one good swing at bat. Yeah, you've, he, he you've ain't made got, that point. He ain't got two or three. Like, this is not the Vladdy of a couple of years ago. He's got one good swing. You're going to have to use that. If you have to call timeout to get to it, to gather yourself, to get an athletic position, to get mentally strong, you can make you the it. case. You can make the case that that was the best starting pitcher the Jays have faced since August 25th when they had Tanner Bybee against Cleveland. I'm looking at the guys they've faced since then. I don't think there's anybody there, – there's nobody you would put in that category. Nobody as good as, as – uh, um, just looking at them. Well, not, it's almost no, – Nobody as good as Reagan. It's almost like it's, gonna, it's telling you that the pitching will take them as far as they're going to yeah. go. All right. We, uh, I do want to talk about hmm. the rotation. Obviously, we're you – know, uh, we, sh- we should mention, by the way, Ben Nicholson-Smith reporting, and I don't think this comes as a huge, huge news flash, but that basically Alec Manoa has been shut down for the rest of the year. He's not he's – not, He's not going to pitch. It sounds very much from reading Ben's article as if somehow Alec Manoa is calling the ball here in this this thing. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, it's that's that's not that's not sounds like what I've heard. Yeah, it sounds. I think sometimes you got to read between the lines and understand why guys have had up and down seasons. It's just easier this way for somebody occasionally just to walk away, wipe it clean, and start over. Yeah, I mean, he's not he's he's not going to be a factor in in the playoffs absolutely year, so. not you want to you don't want him anywhere near a mound in the big leagues no um <laughs> so the rotation is what it is the rotation is set uh i'm okay with that i, I am too uh <laughs> terrific really liked what i saw out of, out of uh out of kevin gossman in his last start want to talk about the bullpen jordan romano yesterday no first pitch strikes the first four at bats just nine of 19 strikes and it's nine strikes in his first 19 pitches uh, velocity was down. Actually, I was surprised. The velocity was down. It's erratic. It, it was erratic, but uh, it, on average, it was down half a mile an hour. I mean, it just depends on what gun you're using, I guess. Man. Uh, because the gun at the ballpark certainly wasn't um, 
wasn't registering that. Mm-hmm. Is he on fumes, do you think, Romano? Is that a concern? Romano, Richards, Garcia, they have not been they've not been sharp lately. Yeah, Gar- uh, Garcia I I think Swanson is the, that that Garcia thing. I think the Swanson back will help mm-hmm. whatever you're planning on doing with Jimmy Garcia, right? I like it's location, it's it's abusing secondary stuff. It's not trusting your best stuff, like it just he doesn't a lot of the times ooze. I understand he's had a a little bit better second half, and that's why they're going to him because you know he's he's fresh and uh, he's got some decent velocity, and sometimes the the stuff is not down in the middle. I don't know when you would use him in a playoff game. Would you feel comfortable using him in the seventh inning? I know I wouldn't. Like in the eighth inning, I know I wouldn't. In the ninth inning, absolutely not, unless you just have to. So, yeah, yeah, I think this is when you got some better options, some guys that may be fresher and. You know, you trust a little bit more to have some quality pitches to some quality hitters in the meat of the order. You know, there's only there's only so many times you can go to a pocket with a guy. What about Romano? Yeah, look, I think this is sort of what we're getting used to seeing, right? It's it's uh, when he's erratic with velocity, he tries a lot of the times to aim the slider. When he does, it gets hit. Like I, it, uh, there's not many times that it's like in the 94 to 97 range, and it's all over the place. Like it's not consistently mm-hmm. at that one certain velocity, right? right? Whereas that hitter, pitch you, to pitch, every varies. time you look up there and it says 97, 98, 99, not 94. If I see a 94, I'm like, hey, I can let that secondary thing travel now. Now I can create backspin with it because I'm in a phone booth and I, everything's happening here. I'm not trying to cheat and catch it out front. Right, so is that is that fatigue? I, you'd have to ask him. Like mechanically, he's falling a little bit more off. Looks like to me, he's trying to create velocity. He's a he's a watcher. Like he'll throw it, turn around, look at it to see how hard it is. When it ain't what he wants it to be, you'll hear the grunt a little bit louder. The next pitch, that for me is not smooth and easy. That's trying to create it. When you try and create it, what happens? It's erratic. That means the velocity's erratic, and so's the the the. Uh, where he wants it to go. So I'm not so much worried about him as, you know, look, they, they, these <laughs> these are some serious innings these guys are pitching. Like, they're going to them in situations because they think they can get some serious parts of the order out. You know, you handle that in different ways at different parts of the season. And they have the third best ERA in baseball out of the pen. They have the best ERA in baseball. How we could come on here and go anything other than just oozing compliments about how they pitch. I don't know how you do it. Like, they've done everything that anybody's ever asked from them. Does it always look like they're dominant? Absolutely not. Do that's you, why they're po- that's why they're going to pockets. They do don't, you have, full, do they you don't have, have no-brainers. Do you have full confidence in Jordan Romano? Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. Absolutely not. Do you in, the, in a playoff game? No. Back-to-back days against the same team, no. against the same part of the order. I, I st- Absolutely not. I, so, I still think they're, I, just, I still think somebody else is going to have to be utilized in that role every now and then. I don't pretend to know who it is. but Have you seen Jordan Hicks throw 103? I haven't. I mean, if he's throwing 103, absolutely give him the ball. Yeah. But you don't see that. It's more 98-99. I can hit 98-99 because I'm used to seeing that. 103, you never see that, ever. He's throwing 103, give him the ball in the ninth inning to the meat of the order. You know, I mean, they've eliminated a bunch of things. They're not pitching him a ton for a reason. What that reason is, who knows? But 
Yeah, he's. You got to, you know, you got to, again, you got to take a step back sometimes and look at big picture or why guys aren't doing certain things and why this guy's doing it instead of this guy. This time of the year, they're basically telling you who they think their best guys are. So this is what I said. Like, it's very hard to come on our show and any other show that we're, we've been asked to go on and talk about anything that they've done when it comes to the pitching. I got They've nailed it. Like, I, you know, it's like, why are you taking out Yusei Kikuchi early? He's got 88 pitches third time through. Their bullpen's well-rested. Like, they have the third best ERA in baseball out of their pen. That's why. Like, and it's worked. There's no other. You can't argue that. I'm the first one, and you know me. I'm the first one to jump all over a khaki. But I, how could you? Like, they, I mean, the offensive side of it now, yeah, you can tell. Like, there's a lot of things going on between these dudes' ears, and you hear a lot of different conversations when the media is asking certain guys. Certain guys have obvious opposite answers from what the organizations are selling. So, you know, the conversation's just not down the middle, and everybody's buying into that. So, yeah, it's offensively, I, you can raise your hand and say, oh, you want to say about that, but the pitching, I don't know. How can you, Jeff, how can you do that? Like, they have the best CR in baseball. George Springer, uh, in his last 30 games, six home runs, sorry, 31, six home runs, eight doubles, 21 ribbies, 22 runs scored, slashing 322, 403, 548. What are you seeing? I think, uh, look, this is why they paid him this time of the year. Like, I, I'm, I'm, people roll their eyes about this, but this time of the year as a baseball player, when everybody's expecting you to do it, you got to buy into it. Like, you got to believe that you're good enough to do that. You know, he hasn't made an error this year in the outfield. Although, I, yesterday, you could have, on the road, I might have given him, you, you may have gotten an error best for that thing, misplay. Best but. thing the organization's ever done is put him in right field. We've, we've been saying, we've said, well, yeah, it was obvious. We talked so about sense. Steve Sparks that he's a better he's defensive a better, right fielder absolutely. than he is center fielder. And he looks, he looks comfortable there. He looks a, like a better route runner. He can hit the cutoff guy better there. Like, he just goes all willy-nilly in center. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's running all over the place because he's an athlete. I I, th- I think he has more in depth. That's that's an easy answer. I think he has better timing. I think he's ready to hit the fastball now. I think he can hit the fastball because he's healthy, because he's played right field all season and not center field. I think that's a giant deal. And I think them moving him around has helped him. How so? so, giving How so? Him, well, they've given just they, giving him a blow and mental, confidence. And con- okay. basically saying we need to put you here, which is better for the team because right. you're a better hitter here than you would be leading off because it's for the team. And then John walked up to him and said, "You're going in the leadoff spot because you're going to help the team yeah. more there." Like it's a confidence builder. Like they're moving him around because they not because he stinks. Because he can help the team there, and nobody else can help their te- the team there. So, yeah, I think it's a combination of a bunch of things, and hopefully, fingers crossed, that Bo can start doing both things again. And again, Bo's got a lot of moving parts, and then when you have a lot of moving parts, and and you start watching elite dudes repeating it in the dugout during the game, yeah. which will tell you they're thinking they're more thinking about that than they are C-ball, hit-ball. And that's normally not what you want an elite offensive I mean, player to do. So, hey, he's fighting things, which he should be fighting things because of the parts and how I they're saw, trying to get him out. I saw all he needed to see out of Bo going, uh, going around the bases on Friday. That yep. was the most important. Bo's that elite. was the most important Bo's thing elite. for me. Yep. Yeah. 
Uh, I'll tell you what's going on today. Again, 7.07 is the first pitch at the Rogers Center, the first of four games between the Jays and the Texas Rangers. C.J. Nitkowski will join us. He's host of Loud Outs on MLB Network Radio. He did, he's the Texas Rangers TV analyst, and he's got a podcast along with Ryan Spielborgs. It's called Negative War, Positive Vibes, which is just a tremendous, tremendous name for a podcast. He will join us. We've got Jays Rangers tickets to give away in the 6 o'clock hour. Ben Wagner, Blue Jays play-by-play voice. He will join us from the booth at the Rogers Center. It is Chris Bassett on the mound for the Jays. It is Dane Dunning for the Rangers. We'll take a break and come back and go around the wild card. A uh, interesting weekend, to say the least, in the wild card. And the Seattle Mariners finding themselves not only losing games, but in the middle of a, a bit of a debate between one of the pitchers and the manager. Yeah, them Rays will put you in a bad oh, spot. Oh, they do, don't they? Ooh. House of Horrors, baby. Ooh. The drop is the House of Horrors. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan Sportsnet, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Blair and Barker. We've got tickets to give away to see the Jays and the Rays. We'll do that in the next hour. Ben Wagner, CJ Nitkowski joins us between the lines brought to you by Bet Rivers. We will get to that later on in the show. 707 will be the first pitch tonight. It is a Monday. It is September. Y'all know what that means. Y'all. Around the wild, wild, wild card. Man, how much I nail that every time. Was our friend Buck Martinez, who a couple of weeks ago, Kevin Barker, identified the necessity of the Blue Jays going 12 and 3 against sub 500 teams uh, in order to keep their season alive? You remember that. We both I kind heard of raised it. our eyebrows. We both agreed with it. They didn't make it. They went 10 and 5, but they woke up this morning. Why are you slapping? In the second wild card ahead of in the second wild card spot, uh, ahead of four games against uh, those tail spinning Texas Rangers. The, Ra- the Jays are seven and a half behind the Rays. If you're still keeping track, which you really shouldn't, you are? Uh, absolutely. All right. They went up on Seattle Mariners, one and a half in the Rangers. Toss in the AL West leading Astros for giggles if you want. They're two and a half up in them in the Red Sox if you must. Jays are six games up. They have three this weekend with the Red Sox. The Mariners went three and seven on their just concluded swing through the East. This is a team that had a historic August. Included was a series against the Rays in which they lost three of four to a team that, you know, I mean, God love the Rays. They just seem to be incapable of understanding that they're missing too many pieces to really pull this off, right? I mean, the Rays, I mean, it seems to me that all they're doing is they're laying down markers for the playoffs. They got three games against Minnesota, against the uh, Twinkies who were leading the AL West. Then they got a four-game series against the Orioles this weekend, and that could be something. And well, Josh Lowe was asked about this after uh, after yesterday's game. That's three or four against the team you could potentially see in the postseason. How big of a series win was this one? Huge. Um, any series win is going to be huge in September, especially going down the stretch, um, and especially against a good ball club like that. We know somebody that we could possibly match up with. Um, that's big for us. We're going to look to carry this momentum in the next series. 
Speaking of the next series, the next seven on the road, you've got against the AL Central leading Twins and then four in Baltimore. Can you speak to just how critical this stretch will be for this club to try and regain the lead in the AL East? We got to go out tomorrow and, and, and take it one, one day at a time. Um, win one ball game at a time. We can't win the other six if we don't go and win the first one tomorrow. You know, we got to show up, play good team baseball, do what we do best, and we'll take care of business. Yeah, they normally do, don't they? Mariners manager Scott Sur- Service, meanwhile, was looking very much forward to a homestand with three against the Angels and three against the Dodgers. I like where we're at. Okay, we got 19 games to go. Doesn't sound we're in a like a spot. Um, we're a little tired. It's the end of a trip. It happens, and we just played one of the best teams in the American League. Mm-hmm. Very, you know, four very competitive games. You know, they outplayed us. You know, I'm hoping we come back here again before the season's over. I mean, you can kind of hear in his voice. It's that, you know, that kind of, yeah, I'm not really worried. Yeah, we need our starter to go deeper. Yes. We need our bullpen to hold leads. Yes. We need to start getting some bigger time hits. Yeah. Like, that's what you do this time of the year. It can't just be one or two guys. Absolutely. And then you flip it over there to the race. (laughs) And you mentioned it. I, I, I think... Whenever you talk about how important certain guys are, Pete Fairbanks, when, whenever Kevin Cash can go back to front, know I got the ninth inning taken care of, and then you can go Pache, Stevenson, Kelly, Armstrong, and just use them whenever you want to use them instead of having to save one of them for the mm-hmm. ninth inning. It just makes their team that much better. And then when they're scoring first, which they're 69-22 and 22 when they do score first, that's first, in, that's first best in the American League. They game plan for me when you watch them, their first at bat, better than most teams in baseball. It's it's like that quick strike thing, right? It's like it's like the Braves. The Braves and the Rays both always have that elite game plan first at bat. One day I always say, don't let that good starter after the first inning because it takes him a while, mm-hmm. right? The rhythm and timing and location and the break, all that stuff. Well, the game planning has to be on par. And when it is, you can get a hanger, you score first, your record gets better because how good your bullpen is. It's. I think we can stop talking about them as the little engine that could. They're an elite team they now. They are an elite no, team. No, matter, no, they've, what, they've no been, matter who's not there, they're, yeah, they're elite. No, they're part of the postseason furniture. I mean, they're frankly, in, in a lot of ways, they're more of an elite team than the New York Yankees are. People just don't want yeah, to say that. Yeah, their khakis are. are carrying the trophy, they too. Do. They're, they're ca- elite. Yeah, well, they oh, are. Oh, they are. They win the World Series. <laughs> There's going to be nothing but khakis up there in that not roster. Cargo shorts. Khakis and cargo shorts. It's going to be great. <laughs> Khakis, cargo shorts, and Diet Coke. It's going to be outstanding. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, the Rangers, they, uh, well, they've got four here, obviously. Then they go off to Cleveland. Uh, let's think about the Rangers. They're 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games. They have the third lowest, this blew me away, the third lowest winning percentage in the major since August 16th. The only teams that are worse are the Royals and the Rockies. You know, think about this. This is a Rangers team that was tied or alone in first place for 148 of the season's first 149 games. This series, they're going to send out Max Scherzer, Jordan Montgomery, Nathan Uvalde after Dean Dunning gets a start tonight. We're going to get to see former Blue Jay Marcus Semien, who has set the tone for this lineup throughout the season, leads the AL in runs, leads the AL in hits, leads the AL in Kevin uh, Barker's favorite category, B-War. He's fourth in total bases in my favorite category. 
Marcus Simeon knows what's at stake. I think we just need to play baseball and not look at the standings and see where we are. You know, I said that earlier in the week. Um, you know, we don't want to put too much pressure on ourselves looking at the standings every single day. We'll let, the, we'll let you guys do that. We'll let the, the fans look at that, but we just want to play well. Yeah, it sounds like a dude that's breaking. Yeah. <laughs> that's what that, that's what that sounds like. Basically yeah, what he's yeah. saying is, yeah. let's talk more about me. I don't want to be selfish, <laughs> but let's talk a little more about my season. When, when, when don't Bruce, blame me yeah, that Bruce, we stink. When Bruce Brosky sees his, uh, his lineup, since August 16th, hitting 226 and, and 172 with runners in scoring position. That's over 21 games. He's looking at the standings, right? Yeah. And it's the same thing, right? It's you, you need good starting pitching to allow a lineup that's struggling. It's like the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. To have the one big inning. That, that's why this, this next four games against the Jays and the, and the Rangers is huge because they're sort of both going through the same thing, right? It's the one big inning. Which staff can keep the other lineup from not doing that? And which lineup can do that? So it's very interesting. Now, we just got to talk about the Baltimore Orioles again. They're not in the wild card picture right now, and they can put some room between themselves and the Rays next weekend. But got to talk about this. They're 10-4 and four since losing Felix Batista. That includes a streak of seven consecutive wins. That ended Sunday when they lost to the Red Sox. Um, the Orioles today, and I don't know what to read into this, but the Orioles today announced that apparently Batista is still playing catch. Mm. He has a partial tear in his UCL. They are saying there's still slim hopes that he might be able to pitch in the postseason. Now, good luck with that. But in the meantime, probably a bigger news for the Orioles, John Means is going to start against the Cardinals on Tuesday. So we talked about how they're going to use their depth in their rotation mm. to help augment the bullpen. Um, and that's important because that... I don't think anybody has any concern about the lineup, but that pitching staff is going to be under the gun down the stretch. And I'll tell yeah. you what, I don't. I will say this: there is not a team in the American League that needs that first week off like the Orioles. Yeah, did. I still don't know who's going to pitch Game One and Game Seven. Like that's the thing for me, right? They got enough guys in their lineup. It's like when you watch them play and you look at the box score; they got like six different guys with an RBI. Yeah. Right, It's like the Blue Jays. You watch the Blue Jays. It's an individual dude. It might be two dudes, right? It's like Friday's game. It was Bo and Blatty that had the four RBIs. That's why they went. They won that game. When you look at the Orioles, they sort of pass the baton with, you get on, I'll drive you in. You get on, I'll drive you in. It's like you change positions with the guy that's in, that's in front of you. So I just, again, losing your closer would put more pressure on who who's the guy standing that's starting the game. Mm-hmm. I still don't know who that is. Like, I know they got good enough guys, but good enough in the playoffs? That's the thing for me that will make you wonder. That's now, all. we talked about the Seattle Mariners a little bit. And, um, well, listen, I've been saying I don't, I don't trust them. I'm not all in on them. Um, and I have no idea why. It's just, it's just a gut thing. I have, I have no idea They got really good why. pitching. They got really good they pitching. Do. Well, uh, Friday night, saw the Mariners and their manager and one of their pitchers, George Kirby, kind of get caught in a, uh, I mean, I hesitate to call it. It's a controversy. Um, and, and it resulted in folks like Roger Clemens, Mark Mulder, Jared Weaver, Dallas Braden uh, going after George Kirby. Essentially what happened on Friday night, Kirby thrown 93 pitches. He had a 4-2 lead heading into the seventh inning. 
He gave up the game-tying homer on his 103rd and final pitch, and the Mariners went on to lose 7-4 to the Tampa Bay Rays. Well, there was kind of a, there's some interesting camera shots of Kirby on the mound. And this is what he had to say, even more interesting camera shots and more interesting comments after the game. This is what he had to say with, to, to reporters after the game about what exactly was going on like what he was thinking about after that. I didn't execute. He had a good pitch. Um, I wish I wasn't out there for the seventh, to be honest. So I was at 90 pitches, and I didn't, I didn't think I needed to go anymore, but you know, it is what it is. So. Is that a conversation in the dugout, or is it? It'll be a conversation soon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that was George Kirby, and again, um, Social media exploded, and uh, this was George Kirby after don't talking to it. his manager. Yeah, don't, don't walk it back, kid. Do don't it. walk it back. Play the clip. Yeah, I just wanted to address what happened yesterday. Um, obviously, I screwed up, and you know, oh, you did. That's not, you know, that's not me. And you know, Skip's always got to pry that ball out of my hands, and um, just super uncharacteristic of, of me as a player. And, you know who I am out in the mound, and you know I love competing. And um, you know, like I said, I just screwed up. And um, like psycho killer in the background. Really looking forward to next week, and you know, just going going forward, and you know, enjoying the time with the team, and you know, getting the playoffs and getting our work done. Sounded like he wanted to run, 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 run away, didn't it? That's the song in the background of Psycho Killer. Mm. Uh, here, I mean, here's the way I come out in this. I have no problem with what George Kirby... George Kirby is a young dude who has spent the last, what, four or five years hearing that, oh, third time through, third time through. Uh, boy, 90 pitches. Uh, we're going to take... You know, lack of effectiveness. Nobody throws 100 pitches anymore. Got to guard the arms, et cetera, et cetera. And... Nobody likes to hear the truth. No, he, basically was, he absolutely saying, told all, the all, truth. All the people that got chapped about that... Knew that. No, knew this is exactly why everybody that doesn't like hearing it has come out and said something about it. Yeah, I, I just didn't like that he did it the next day. He comes and I'm and, with you. Yeah, I don't like that. Like it, I would have said, hey, you know what? Gun. I said what I said. Yeah, yeah, and that, and that for me would be if I'm Scott Service in the playoffs, he pitches one of those games, he's probably not getting that. Like, you're not giving the benefit of the doubt. I'm taking him out. Like it, it would be six innings, and that's it. Well, like that's, I, I, you won't know. You would want no part of that right up against whatever their khakis are telling them about him. Like when it gets close, you take him out. Yeah, I. Th- this is maybe the only, um, the only way I would. I'm not going to take offense. The 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 only way I would look at those comments. in a negative light is that it does create like I'm a big believer you don't create storylines storylines happen as a result of what happens on the field you don't create drama you don't create storylines and you know as well as I do the next time George Kirby starts like that's going to be a story the next time he starts in the postseason that's going to be a national story because yeah, those yeah. games are going to be in TV. If They'll be dumb enough to say it out loud. If the Seattle <laughs> Mariners go to the World Series. Yeah. Well, he won't get the ball with 90 pitches. 
But That's what will happen. What if he's got a no-hitter? Then he won't get the ball with 90 pitches. He won't throw the no-hitter. Wow. It'll be a combined no-hitter. Wow. It's going to be Blake Snell all over again. Uh, I, 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 That's I, what I, my, con- my concern is. Listen, I'd stand up for the guy. And I also believe in a situation like that, you don't walk it back. But uh, he, it, it has created a situation that could potentially be a distraction for the team. Or let me rephrase it. It could be a distraction for him. It's been a little bit of that here with Yusei Kikuchi. I'm just be honest. Like it has been. Like where, when, when do you use him? When, how, how much do you use him? When is he done? Yeah, but he's... Like that's, that's the conversation, right? Is it 88 pitches? Is it 95 pitches? Is it how dare the third time through? He's pitching the third time through. When, when he doesn't yeah. throw, when he doesn't have 88 pitches? Like, is it... But the difference when, is... When, how much? The difference, is, though, is we can watch you say Kikuchi get mad in the dugout and everything like that, but when he does his post-game availabilities, it's using a translator. And, I, I mean, by that point, he's probably smart enough to cool off and everything. That's what makes this a little different is... This dude had time to think about what he was going to say. And, I, and again, I'm, I give him credit for being honest. I give him absolute credit for being honest. Yeah, I don't know why those former players are all mad. They didn't know this already? Like, they didn't know that's what happened? Well, you never come out and say it. You never come out and say it, and you always got to want the ball. And yeah, a lot, I mean, whenever as you, I said, whenever the only you thing tell I can see is that it does put your manager no, it doesn't. in a bad position. It does not. They got, it's not going to change of when the khakis are telling you not to run him back out there again. Like, they know they know the sweet number, whatever that number is. It's obviously 90, 90 pitches to 100. Like, he just told you that. Well, I think the other thing, too, is you've got to take the lineup into question, who you're facing. You've got to take that into question yeah, as I don't well. Know. I'm, you're, not, you're I'm not real sure. I, Bay yeah, I'm not sure. It might be like you don't want him to face the – number three hitter who's left-handed, who's been real tough on him three times. Like, that may be it. It, it may not be four or five guys. It may just be one guy. It, may, it has something to do with number of pitches and, you know, the break on the secondary stuff and the location of the fastball and how much the catcher moves when he throws the fastball with this amount of pitches. Like, there's a lot of things that go into all this. He's programmed to say this. Oh, he's programmed I, to I, think it. He's yeah. not programmed to say it. He's programmed to think it. Yeah. I, I mean, he's, he's, he's catching some heat over it. But I just don't understand why these, why these guys that are mad about this are mad about it. Like, you should, be used, you should be used to hearing it. You should be used to seeing it. But they're guys who wouldn't think that way. Hey, you, didn't th- you didn't think that way 15 years ago. This is just the way it is now. I mean, I'm they're, they're at- programmed to go out and let it eat. For 90 pitches. Okay, and I'm going to... Throw I'm, as hard as you can for 90 pitches. You don't pitch your way through 90 pitches. This is his pitch count. This is his pitch count. Okay, against the Mets. Now, I wonder if this is a factor. Against the Mets, his previous start. Three innings, six hits, four earned runs, three strikeouts, gave up a home run. 73 pitches in three innings. That's a lot. The start before it, 100 pitches in five and two-thirds. Start before that, 73 and six. Start before that, 103 in nine innings. Start before that, 96 in seven innings. So I'm looking at this. He has thrown 100 pitches. He threw 101 pitches the second start of the year. He threw 101 pitches against Tampa in a win. On July 1st, seven innings, 101 pitches. 
So this is the this is the third time. It's the sixth time this year he's gone over 100 pitches. The third time in five starts. So what I'm saying is, uh, he it seemed to me like he had had a conversation before they had actually had the start that this is where we're going. You go out there and let it eat this long. Like he's not a finesse guy. He ain't a location no. guy. He is a stuff guy. Here it is. Let it eat for this amount. When this dude comes back around for this amount of times, you ain't going to be in the game. Like, he's obviously had the conversation with either a catcher, a pitching coach. I'm not sure a manager. I don't think managers get involved in that kind of stuff. So it's a pitching coach or, or, a, or a catcher or catchers that they, they know this going in. Look, the truth hurts. Like, this is 2023. I mean, you don't like to hear it. I don't like to hear it. Like, nobody likes to hear that, right? You see a dude that's got better stuff than the guy you can bring in, but track record will tell you he gets to this number. I mean, how many times has John done it? And we've taken calls after the game. But why you take? Why you take? You say Kikuchi out? (laughs) Like, how many times have we had to answer that question? Well, we've seen lately though with with Gossman and and Barrios. He's given them or. Bassett, he's given them. Yeah, but that's because of pitch leash. counts and how easy it's looked that's and who it's been against. Correct. correct. That's why. Uh, we've been giving you the chance to win Blue Jays tickets all season long here in Blair and Barker, whether you listen on the radio or on our podcast. All you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily trivia question to 590-590. Our last trivia question and answer was current Rangers second baseman Marcus Semyon made a costly throwing error in August 2021 against which team is a member of the Blue Jays? The answer was the Detroit Tigers. You can make the case that cost the Jays a playoff spot. Not to be too dramatic about it, but you can make the case. They win that game, they're in the playoffs. And it's the Detroit Tigers. There were two outs, and all they had to do was roll the ball to first base. Anyway, yeah, he, tried to, he tried to roll it. He got to it. That's true. Today's question is to win tickets to see the Jays and right? Rangers down at the Rogers Center on September 12th. Facts. That is tomorrow. Which Rangers pitcher threw the final no-hitter of his career in 1991 against the Blue Jays? This is almost too easy. Which Rangers pitcher threw the final no-hitter of his career in 1991 against the Blue Jays? You can text the answer to 590-590 for your shot to win. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. C.J. Nitkowski joins us. He was like 100 years old in 91. Ben Wagner also. (laughs) He was, I think. I mean. He was was up there in age. I think he was. Throwing a bazillion. Um, like, you think he... Uh, is he the best pitcher? Is he one of the best pitchers you've ever seen? Uh, yeah. Yes, one of. I used to talk, to, I used to, talk to Rod Carew all the time when he was my hitting coach with the Brewers, and I used to ask him who was the nastiest dude he ever faced. He doesn't hesitate. Yeah. He said that. You'd, he said just a combination of fear, stuff, and in a fastball count, you know what you're getting. He ain't messing around with you. No, I mean, I... Did I give it away? I think I gave it away, didn't I? No, no, no. 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 Um, I saw... I missed a large chunk of his career. Uh, the best the best pitcher that I you know, covered for an entire year, right, as a beat writer, was far and away Pedro Martinez. Um, yeah. Roy Halladay... Yeah, but I mean, with all due respect to the late Roy Halliday, uh, Pedro was Pedro was a different. He was a different. He was just a different, different kettle of fish completely. Um, Pedro would yeah, the changeup took him uh, to a whole uh, different level. The changeup mm-hmm. and and the um, 
just the Roy was great. I don't think people people were afraid of Pedro because early in his career he was creatively out of control a lot of times. And he had to battle a lot of that because mm-hmm. he was this thin little guy and how dare you throw 99 at my head. Wasn't on purpose, though. Mm-hmm. The guy that I'm talking about, it's on, it's on purpose. Yeah, that's, <laughs> like, that's the difference. That's true. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, will say, I will say that, uh, to me, Pedro is on a different level than anybody, than anybody I've covered. That's fair. Um, but, yeah, this guy. Now, the guy I wish I'd seen pitch. Bob Gibson. I wish I'd seen more of the two guys I didn't get a chance to really see pitch mm-hmm. that I always wanted to see pitch. Bob Gibson and Sandy Koufax are the two dudes that I've, I always wanted to see. And I just, I mean, I watched Gibson on TV a little bit. I, I can yeah. remember watching him pitch in the World Series. Um, I remember meeting him and he was you know they say don't ever meet your heroes? Yeah. I met him and Rod Carew. Uh-huh. And I spent my whole I, – I came away from meeting Rod yeah, Carew thinking, Rod Carew. why the hell did I spend 15 years trying to emulate that dude? You know, especially as a fat kid, right? I've got the, yeah, yeah. the, the Rod Carew stance, which I, – I, I, like I like to think that I, I know how to think my way through it, Bats. Yeah. Rod said things to me that I yeah. still to this day have no idea what he's talking <laughs> yeah. about. Yeah. No idea. Bob Gibson just scared you. Bob looked like he wanted to beat you up. What do you think this guy on the trivia question would have said about the 90 pitches? <laughs> I know what he would have said. He would have said, would have said it. He would have said, I <laughs> would have sent him out the next day. I'll give you, uh, uh, you we'll, we'll, we'll put a 90 pitch limit on you. The thing is you're doing it tomorrow. Uh, CJ Nitkowski is host of, loud, host of Loud Outs in the MLB radio network. He's a Texas Rangers analyst. He'll join us at 6 o'clock. Ben Wagner joins us as well from the booth. Big game, big show. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan in Sportsnet.